so I've been watching this TV show called Surreal Estate. Uh-huh. And it's like a... a like surreal real estate? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is like a show where... It's not like real life. It's yeah. a made-up one, sadly. But it's a show where it's like this company that has like one real estate guy who's also like a ghost person, but he knows uh-huh. both sides of it. One person that like makes equipment where they can see ghosts, whatever, capture demons, like whatever. Yeah. And then another one that's like does the research for them and stuff. Yeah. And then they just recently hired on, like in the show, a new like real estate agent. But it's literally Twyla and what's his name from Shits Creek that are the two main characters. <laughs> what's his name? Moose? Um, uh, oh, what is his name? Mutt. Mutt. Right? That's yeah. it. Um, but it's literally those two. The main ghost guy slash, like, owner, starter of this real estate company is, yeah. is, is Mutt. And then Twyla's the new, like, What do you watch it on? Hulu, I think. Okay. I, I just wanted to know if I could also um, watch it. <laughs> but it's actually good. Like, and it's a sci-fi show. Oh. So at first I was like, oh, this is gonna be, you know, Sharknado level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's actually pretty good. Like, I actually like it. I think there's only one season, and I hope they do more, because it's actually pretty good so far. I think I've only I watched, like, watch three that. or four episodes, yeah, it is but I, I like it. It's good. Um, but that reminds me of that, like, one, like, Shudder or something. That new, like, streaming network that they started a few years ago that literally, like, people flip, like, murder houses and, like, sell them and, like, stuff like that. <laughs> and have, like, just, like, weird, like, content spooky shows. That's fine. But I, I want to get that streaming service and see if they have anything good on there. But I did see, too, on, I think, Discovery Plus... Jack Osborne has a new, like, paranormal series where he went back to London to, uh-huh. like, their childhood home there and investigates it. And I thought that was fun because I've watched, like, the fun. Osbournes yeah. Want to Believe where they talk about how haunted yeah. that house is, like, all three of them. And it and the episode with his house is pretty good, but he also, like, goes around to other places mm-hmm. that they would go to growing up and, like, does investigations there. So I've only watched the first episode where he does the house. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish he would, like, do another episode of it or, like, something. Because I feel like there was more that could be done. But that's another good show show recommendation for Spooky Season. Although this is going to be coming out on literal Halloween. So Spooky, spooky Season is all year round. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you're first this time, right? Yeah. Well, oh, oh, this is our Halloween episode. Mm. Happy Halloween. Halloween. Um, <laughs> uh, you ready? Yeah, you I guess. I was going to say something about Halloween, but, you know. Oh, no, our Halloween celebration for ourselves was going and investigating that spooky uh, neighborhood that Yeah, that my, we could talk about that. We didn't even in. talk about that. Yeah, because, like, you can see shadow beings um, that are viscous in nature, by the way. <laughs> They're viscous. Gooey. Oh. That's how they look. They look viscous when you see them Oh, I was like, if somebody touched them? No, no. Like, when you look at them, you say, that right there, if I touched it, would be viscous. Um, We didn't see any, but we're going to go back when there's, like, a full moon. Yes. I think we should also try one when there's, like, no moon. Yes. When there's a new moon. I think we should just keep on trying. And maybe one day, we'll see one. But yeah, we drove through that neighborhood for a while with Opry in the car. She didn't sense anything. She was sleeping No, she was sleeping. Time. She got more upset when we went and got um, ice cream than when we were in that yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> we didn't see anything. It was really fun, though, because it's a really cute neighborhood. There was a spooky way to get into the neighborhood, which was cool. It's super. It's like an old sunken road yeah. along, um, along the Some train tracks. and, yeah. 
So we'll go back and see if we can see anything. Yeah. But to this day, I've still never seen a paranormal being that no. I can remember as I've an felt, adult. I've felt spooky places, but I haven't ever seen anything. I, I haven't don't, even felt I, like, that. I, would love to see something and also never want to see something. Well, you know, I was talking about this with, I think it was Drew. I was saying, I was like, you know, I feel like even in any sort of, like, if I ever did a paranormal investigation in an abandoned building or whatever, even if it isn't abandoned, mm-hmm. my fear is not that I'm going to see an apparition standing there staring at me like i i but feel like going I to be not, someone, someone who is like held actual, up in there and no, it's gonna no. hurt you yeah i'm scared of an actual human being coming to murder me yeah and i said to drew i said you know i think that's something the male paranormal people never are worried about i think on ghost adventures every once in a while they're nervous about like hobos being there but like i think as women like your our You're rational fear is like Oh, we're somewhere in the dark. I'm scared of being murdered. Yeah, when we found... Because that's just a fear that we have to have on a daily basis. Oh, wait, no, the Whether pre- we're in yeah, a haunted no. location or not. In the previous episode when I was talking about the sunglasses... Johnny found the second pair of sunglasses. Yeah. Like my other co-worker's immediate response was... Who's, who's a woman was... Oh, no. Was somebody following us the whole time? She was no, saying yeah. it jokingly. But... but the coworker found this and go, oh no, was that a possibility? And we're like, no, Johnny, it's just women always think that way. But I was telling Drew about that. I was like, that's probably another reason where I'm like, I wouldn't feel like there's an evil presence. I'd be more scared somebody's going to come out of the corner and literally like mm-hmm. stab me to death or something. Like, I'm not scared of an evil spirit the way I am scared of being murdered by an evil man <laughs> that is alive. <laughs> I'm also very scared of animals being in spaces like that. I, um, I would be scared most of bats. Bats, because rabies. raccoons, raccoons, not so much. I'm scared of when I'm in the deep woods, um, mountain lions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of like inside of like buildings, not like actual woods. Well, I've There's been a lot of inside of buildings in the, in the deep woods. Poison that could ivy, have mountain lions. Is what scares me in the woods, if I'm being honest. Poison <sighs> ivy seems... triggers me the most. <laughs> poison ivy and ticks, and only one of those I can see. So yeah. one of them scares me more in the moment. And it's Both of ivy. them make me do you want to hear a terrible thing? hate the woods um you ready oh the last thing okay <laughs> is that af right after this episode airs we've just gotten our matching ghost tattoos oh yeah that's next I'm friday i'm so excited you're in town for that right yeah okay i get back on friday well you said you're out of town all next week so i don't well, know yeah, for, for work times well yeah but anyway no i i double triple checked that i have to be back yeah on time on friday like yeah n- no options um, so otherwise. yeah, we're getting matching ghosty tattoos. I'm so excited. Um, I'm not so excited even, not she, even see for what she spooky up. season, but just because this is the only time I've seen this woman's books open. Yeah, no, it just happened to <laughs> coincide with spooky season. I was like, I don't care that it's Halloween. Like that is a nice coincidence, but anyway, um, so after this episode, everybody gets to hear about my first tattoo experience, and I'm, I'm so terrified of needles. So. Tattoo experience. <laughs> Well, I'm not even. I the reason you know I you'll think have I'm, to get it first, right? You can't watch. Well, no, I was gonna say I'm getting it first. The reason I think I'm I'm not scared of being tattooed is because the the concept of a tattoo doesn't freak me out the way me picturing an actual vaccine needle going into my arm. I understand. Because I just picture it going all like I when picture you see a going picture of it, it just skin. looks like it's tapping you. Really well, in the amount of times like I just have all little scratches all over my body, yeah. everybody's like it hurts like this or whatever, and I'm like I have a pretty high pain tolerance, like I'll be fine. No, no, like, you'll be fine. That's not what I'm scared of, but. If Still, I when see you have a needle, needle out. Fear, yeah. And the we'll don't goes. they don't really look like needles that much. I know, I'm like, well, even when I went to get the piercing, yeah, all the multiple piercing that I did, I, I saw their little needle on the table and I was like immediately lays back and closes <laughs> my eyes. I was like, I can't look at this. Normally I cry if I see a na- a needle laying on their little trays on site. But 
there I was like, it's it's near. And it's going to look good. Yes, we're ready. Because I, I, <coughs> we got to end the night. <laughs> Tis Sadie's turn for a story. Okay, so my story is Select Witches of Illinois. I did a whole bunch of little witches. <laughs> like little stories. Yeah. Not small witches. <laughs> <laughs> They're all extremely short. So my sources are under. um only in your state, hauntedrooms.co.uk, Washington Post, familiarterritory.us, and the Chicago Tribune, oh, and um, Mysterious Heartland. <laughs> so the first um, supposed witch that I will talk about is Caroline Barnes um, of Ashmore, Illinois. Legends surrounding Caroline Barnes seem to begin... Um, Maybe with her grave marker, or at very least they center specifically on her grave marker. Like, the reason these exist is because of her grave marker. Because there's no reason in life that this woman should have been considered a witch. Okay. Um, so, it not only has an odd shape, it is a sphere that it sits on top of a pyre of logs. So, it's really oh. neat looking. Um, but the inscription is uh, the thing that is creating this lore around her. Yeah. So I think the, I've heard of this The date one. of her death on it is carved as February 31st, uh, 1882, um, which is obviously an impossible day if you're not familiar with, what do we have, the Gregorian calendar? I have no idea. <laughs> um, so... I was going to say, I don't think that's a day. It's not a day. So some folklore, just like in general, folklore about witches say that they have the ability to rise from the dead on the anniversary of their death. So a method of to prevent this, like an attempt to prevent this to make would be to put the death date on an impossible day, like February 31st, a day that never happened. Okay. So then she technically can't come back. Okay. Even though like realistically, if she, she died on a real day, she would come back on that day. But you know, that's, that's, that's the folklore explanation that creates the witch story for her. Yeah. This is, people are like, that's so weird. Why would that happen? <laughs> Um, so in addition to the inscription, the marker and plot are aligned. Actually, we don't know if the plot is. I don't know if the plot is. Um, the marker is for sure aligned north-south. Um, as in, like, if it was where her name is written and on it, if it is aligned like a normal cemetery, that means her body would be laying north-south, which is mm -hmm. odd because in, like, Western Christian burial, you usually, like, do east-west. And the rest of the grave, uh, rest of the cemetery, for the most part, is aligned east-west. Um, so that is in addition to the oddness. So like, oh, trying to other her. But it's like, if you really want to other her, she wouldn't be buried in the main cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is also said that it is impossible to take photos at the grave with a film camera. And oh. that the marker um, can glow on even on a moonless night. Oh. Um, people, since the story started, have left candle wax, coins, and other occult items, which just adds to the folklore the then. It's like, oh, see, it's definitely something occult. But the reason that the these things are ending up there is because the story exists at all. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so Caroline lived in the latter half of the 1800s. Um, so there's definitely records that she exists. Yeah. <laughs> like she's, she's a person. Obviously she has a cemetery, like she's in a cemetery with a tombstone. So you can look her up. Um, so in December of 1881, Caroline's husband, Di Marcus, his name is Marcus, um, dies in a sawmill accident, which is, that sounds terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even want to know what um, and happened. And two months later, she passes away from pneumonia. Oh. And it was likely that her actual death day was February 28th, the last day of the month. And instead, like, 
not the 31st. And then, like, the 29th is when the person went to February. carve the thing. Not always. 28th is every four years, it's 29. Oh. Uh, the rest of the years is 28th. Um, I don't, I truly don't so know. Like my I don't know guess. how many days are in any of the months. Most years, 28 is the last day of February. Um, so, like, my guess would be that was what they were told. She died the last day of February when they went to, like, carve it in. He goes, yes, last day, 31. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, was he me? <laughs> that would be Audrey. <laughs> and, and, like, when people notice the carving mistakes, they're like, it's not worth bothering to fix this. It's too expensive. So it, so it just stayed that way. And then people decided she was a witch after the fact, despite doing absolutely nothing in That's her life too funny. to constitute such stories. Well, you know, in a way, it's nice because people go visit her grave and remember her life. It's true. Um, we would not be talking about her get... if they hadn't carved yeah. it wrong. So, so that it's is... It's kind of nice in a way. As long as all the people that think she's a witch are nice about witches yeah. and don't hate witches. Not doing anything bad or... Ruining the grave. Well, part of the reason why they think that it's faced the other way is because uh, vandals have moved around over time, so it's okay. just not been set up appropriately. So clearly it's been disrespected, but... Yeah. Um, you know, as long as they're not digging her up. Just leave her alone. Yeah. Be respectful. Just leave her alone. Okay, next we have Mary Worth of Gurney, Illinois. Um, the Legend of Bloody Mary, oh, like yeah. the sleepover game um, that you Bloody do in your Mary, bathroom, Bloody you turn Mary. off the lights and say Bloody Mary three times... Um, with the desired result then being uh, the face of a bloody woman appears in the mirror. Um, I know, and I'm like, and what's your end game there? Is she going to come through and kill you? Off or an like... Illinois woman. <laughs> I think I knew that. I think most people know this one. I think I knew that. Um, I don't so really remember, but... Mary Worth is said to have lived in a small cabin. There's Okay, there's, let's get this straight. There's multiple stories. Yes. All of them are folklore. Yes. What I'm telling you is 100% folklore. It's not like All earlier. All is, technically. Um, no, but like, Caroline has documents. We know her husband yes. died in the sawmill. We know she died of pneumonia. We know they lived in these times. We do not have that kind of information for Mary Worth. Mary At least I didn't find it. it. None of the stories that I was reading had it. I'm sure if I had like looked in depth, I could have found it. But I don't have that time. Um, Fair enough. So Mary Worth is said to have lived in a small cabin in a forest in Lake County, Illinois, which is in the northeasternmost corner of the state. Alright. It is said that she sold tinctures and herbal remedies to locals. Uh, Mind you, all medication at the time was tinctures and herbal remedies. Yes. Because they didn't have real medicine. They didn't know what germs were. Um, Well, real medicine still is that, pretty much. (laughs) It basically is that. We just pretend it's not. We say it's other chemicals. We use the scary chemicals word. So, locals, locals were said to be wary of her, fearing that she might curse them or their animals. And the most she'll religious, get, she'll get you and your dog too. <laughs> the most religious of <laughs> folks shunned her for her partaking in "quote unquote" Wicca, which I do not think existed. Uh, then I think it did, but under that name. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'll I look did... it up. Um, it was subsequently founded in the 1950s. Okay, cool. So definitely did not exist in the early 1800s. No. Um. I'm not saying, like, the things that people do when Wicca weren't existing, but she definitely was not partaking in something that didn't exist yet. Correct. Um, oh, and then I then I got mad because I got tired of just random independent uh, unmarried women getting accused of being witches. Yeah. <laughs> and I went around, like, 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 so many, like, listen, people were being accused of being witches in the olden times, but the stuff that we attribute to witches now, like making herbal remedies, which mm-hmm. were normal things for people to be doing in the olden times, are not things that people are necessarily considering witchcraft then. 
Um, when you no. look at any of the actual olden time witch cases, that's not your what's happening. Didn't like you, or they yeah, you were they wanted ugly, your land, or and I thought it was really weird you weren't married. Yeah, or you were just an independent woman. But it wasn't because you were making the no. same medicine everyone else was making, no. because doing things like that was not considered witchcraft then, like it is now. No, um, because people had to do that as an actual thing. Like yeah, you had somebody you had, had to make you, medicine. You had to go and pick the nettles and boil the nettles and then drink the nettles. For various uterine-based ailments and other things. Like, that's just what... That's how you treated things, was yeah. with plants, because you had nothing else, and you had to... F- wanted to alleviate stuff somehow. Um, anyway. So, the legend... We're going to continue the legend. The um, small girls start to go missing in town, and the townsfolk Uh-oh. begin to grow suspicious of Mary. Gotta be the um, woman. As be she the is now, ever. no, but she somehow looked younger. She used to be oh, old and gnarled, okay. and now she's looking younger, and it, it, something bad is happening. So clearly, she is now. Uh, what is that? Elizabeth Eat Bathory. <laughs> Blamed yeah, in the, who was that? The that like I don't know. She was Eastern European yeah. royalty who bathed in the His supposedly blood, bra- yeah. bathed in the blood of virgin women. Yeah. Um. So one night, the local miller's daughter. Um, began to hear a noise only she could hear while her mother was treating her with one of Mary's remedies for a like tooth or ear earache something like that um so the daughter gets up has to follow the noise like Pied Piper style must follow the noise and her parents (laughs) call her back but she did not respond she continues walking to the edge of the forest her parents follow her and they see Mary standing at the edge of the forest holding a wand that emits a strange glowing light and is pointing it at her daughter um (laughs) Okay. So, quickly, a mob is formed, and they chase Mary, and a local farmer loads a gun with a silver bullet and shoots her in the hip. Oh. Um, she's captured and burned at the stake. <laughs> okay. But before she dies, she curses the village, um, which is ultimately what is supposed to create the Bloody Mary curse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Whoop, um, didn't mean to do that. So... They go, they capture her, they do this, then they go and search the house, and behind the house they see a number of unmarked graves in a row, and it's it's all the missing children. That's, that's where they are buried. She was, that's when they find out she was bathing in their blood. Of course. Um, <laughs> there's another version of the legend um, about Mary Worth that says she was kidnapping and torturing slaves, and locals found out, and then they burned her at the stake for that. And whether or not Mary Worth existed, I don't know. I don't think any of these stories about her are true, though, but it is interesting, nonetheless, that Bloody Mary comes out of Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, okay. So now we're going to get to the story I was talking about, the newspaper story about mental illness. Okay. Um, so this is the witchcraft in the Joliet State Penitentiary. So April of... That one's still open to visit too, isn't it? I don't know. Never heard of that one. I think... It's up near Chicago. So, April of 1879, a man named Toby Allen, these are all real things now, these are, I read, this is all straight from the Chicago Tribune news article. Um, So, April of 1879, a man named Toby Allen wrote Chicago Alderman Ballard, that's his last name, I couldn't find his first name, um, through the Chicago Tribune, like he submitted it to the newspaper so that he hoped that the alderman would see it. Um, in this letter, he requests that the alderman address and stop the abuse that he suffered at the hands of the Illinois State Prison System. Um, and I don't mean, like, general abuse. Very specific abuse. Um, witchcraft abuse. 
Okay. So Allen was incarcerated in the Joliet, Joliet State Penitentiary from December 1871 to June 1875, having his sentence pardoned by the governor. Otherwise, he would have served longer. Yeah. Um, Allen said that while at Joliet, the state brought in a man named Johnson and his family. Like, his last name is Johnson. Um, and then Johnson was there to use witchcraft on the inmates to help them maintain clean bedclothes. Um, at least that's what the inmates were told. That's why he was there and doing these things, according to Alan in this letter. Um, it was insisted... Oh, he said it was instead a lie and that the state was using it to cover up their true goals. He does not ever specify what they these goals were, but that clearly the state had an ulterior motive yeah. bringing in these <clears throat> people. Um, um, it was in... Ooh, I'm just rereading a line. So, Alan said that the actions Johnson was taking resulted in the murder of several inmates and that Alan himself had his life threatened and was permanently um, maimed. Oh, he was permanently maimed by what Johnson was doing. And, like, again, he was not doing, like, physical experiments. He was supposedly, like, cursing the inmates. How weird. Um... Alan then said that the witchcraft deployed by Johnson still had an effect on him, and then he requested the aldermen make the state remove the curses that were cast <laughs> upon him. Um, which is which make is when the you state this is when you go curses. like listen, whatever was happening here, maybe he was just like not understanding what was happening, and they were doing experimentation. Everything felt like it totally could have been real until we got to this point, and I was like, oh, okay, I think this man is suffering from other issues. I mean, you never know. Um, so, the day after this letter is published <coughs> in the Chicago Tribune, the newspaper prints a response to the letter that was um, racist, among other things, but that's just how the times were, unfortunately. Um, I think they were trying to be as truthful as they could as white reporters okay. that were blatantly racist, if that makes sense. They're trying to report it as it happened, but also couldn't not... Get their digs Be, in there. Yeah, they could not get their digs in. Um, so, a reporter went to Alan's house. The address of Alan's house is included in the article. Um, nice. And he interviews Alan further on the matter. And it does seem like he interviewed him based on, like, the responses yeah. that were given. Um, and wasn't just, like, poking fun. Yeah. Uh, like, he, he pokes fun in the whole article but at the same time like he seems to be asking real questions because we get real answers about things you would want to know answers to okay um so alan is described as an african-american man of light complexion and then the author goes on to say quote <laughs> the old voodoo beliefs should yet linger in the hearts end quote and then i paraphrase from here in less offensive terms um a less educated that less educated african-americans um still believe in voodoo and he was surprised that alan believed in it because he appeared to be intelligent and that oh. alan used good though flowery english and when you read like alan's original letter he uses like really good english really like this boy's read a lot yeah <laughs> like these are words you only find in a book <laughs> so alan lived in a neat well-furnished home with his mother and he worked as a whitewash painter and described it was described by like others as um, industrious and sober. It's like he's, he's a stand-up normal guy. And sober. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not problematic. He's not 
not wild. What is the dogs doing? Arguing over food. Um, so Alan went to jail for grand larceny charges. That's why he was originally in in the prison system. Yeah. They see something outside because Teddy's so. starting it. Yeah. Uh, the Johnsons. This is this is all according to Alan now. Um, John, like in, in the interview format, according to Alan, um, in 1873, Johnson and his wife and son were brought in. Um, at considerable expense from New York and were given accommodations at the prison and shortly after began casting spells. Oh. One night, Alan claimed that he heard voices as if they were in the same room as him and then all the walls vanished and he was face-to-face with the Johnsons. Though, to like the day that this interview happened, Alan had never met the Johnsons in person. Okay. There's also no proof that the Johnsons were ever at the prison, by the way. Okay. If that's not... (laughs) These are not like a real people thing where he like somehow knows about them. Like this is, there's no proof. Okay. <laughs> using, using secret ventriloquism, they made Alan cut off one of his fingers. Okay. Alan also said that he still suffers from these same voices today and asked the reporter Aww. if they had the right to whisper in his ears and distract him from his work. Aww. He's, he's very um, firm that the state does not have the right to be affecting him at this level since he is no longer in the prison system. Yes. Um, that's that's a continuous concern he has. Um, Alan then says that he owns property in Michigan and is unable to move to it because the Johnsons prevent him from doing so. Huh? And he also thinks that that has to be illegal for them to be doing, uh, to be controlling him to that level. <laughs> um, he then said that the Johnsons killed a white man with the last name of Grass and then drove an African-American man to insanity, resulting in the man being released from prison and sent to the Cook County Poorhouse, um, where he later died. Um, which is the cheap version of being sent to an asylum. Yeah. Is being sent to the poorhouse. Um, all Alan wanted from all of these interactions was for someone with authority to make the Johnsons stop cursing him and others. Um, and while this is not obviously a case of witchcraft, but none of the other ones have been either, it's obviously a case of a mental illness. And I, I think this, this guy went to prison in his early twenties and while incarcerated, um, which That's is this is a normal time for mental illness to appear in many people. Well, and if you're in like an extra stress induced situation, stress, yeah, that your mental illnesses can come, come out of the woodworks. And yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that it's all, all it's so really clearly sad, captured here. But I mean, he's living a whole life still, yeah. even with this happening to him. So that's that's why I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah. <laughs> If he hadn't been, it was like had a sad ending. Yeah. Then I then I would feel like I had invaded his privacy, but. Um, it was really neat to see it was 18... How well documented that was, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, 1870s description of something like, what, it's schizophrenia. Both hearing yeah. and seeing things. Anyway, we have one last ghost. She's okay. my favorite one. <laughs> ghost. Not ghost, sorry, witch. <laughs> They've been ghosts the whole time. <laughs> we have uh, Eva Locker of Williamson County, Illinois. So during the 1800s, as the European population pushed everyone west, uh, the region is known known as Little Egypt, like where like where Cairo and Memphis and all that is the yeah, <coughs> yeah. southern bit of Illinois, bits of Tennessee and Kentucky, um, or no, just Tennessee. Anyway, the region of yeah Little Egypt begins inc- gets the population there starts to increase, um, notably with Scotch Irish. Um, People of Scotch, Scotch Irish descent who had originally settled in New York and Kentucky, like had been there for a few generations and now are being pushed out. 
Yeah. Um, moving further west, they, they settled this area. So in the 1867 book History of Williamson County, the area is said to have had a great many witches between 1818 and 1835, as the Scotch-Irish who move into the region were obsessed with magic and sorcery. Me too. <laughs> this is a real thing in a history Me book about too. the county. Because <laughs> um, remember, the Scotch-Irish were not real white people. <laughs> For a long time in, in American history, <laughs> they were lesser. Oh, yeah. Um, I was so like, this, what do you is, mean? No, <laughs> this, is, this is a racist jab at, at the Scotch-Irish. Oh, yeah, because um, I thought they were real dumb, uneducated. The whole bunch of things. Catholic. Darn Irish Catholic. <laughs> oh, I've got some news. Ah. So, um, speaking of Catholics, Corey recently, just yesterday, went to a meeting at the cathedral. Um because they're they were having a meeting the catholic church is having a meeting in the st louis area because none of the catholics in the st louis area seem to be going to mass anymore so there's a hundred something church catholic churches uh-huh. like w- within this archdiocese yeah whatever whatever they do i don't yeah. know whatever their connection is i think it is archdiocese um and they're closing a bunch of churches, and there's only going to be 70-something left in the St. Louis area, because none of you good Catholics, quote-unquote, have been going to Mass. So all these, been a problem all for these a long churches time, have been cl- yeah. are going to be closing because of it. But yeah, he just went to that meeting last night with Jackie. He's not Catholic, but he went with Jackie, who's, mm-hmm. who's Catholic. And, um, yeah, found out that a bunch of Catholic churches in the St. Louis area are closing. Huh. So... That's the consequences of their own actions, I suppose. All these Catholic schools and none of them going to Mass. I know. I was like, aren't the Catholic people really supposed to be the ones like that actively go to church every Sunday or whatever, whenever your Mass is? I don't know. So one of the better known witches in Williamson County was <coughs> Eva Locker. Um, her exploits are well recorded in early area folklore. Like, this is like, she's, she's a long time talked about, like... I'm not saying she could do any of these things. I am saying I think she was a real person. Or, yeah. Like, there, there's some reason that she's being talked about for so long. Okay. Because, like, most, most witch stories come out of, like, the 1880s and, like, the satanic panic. Yes. Um. Okay. So here we go. So she was a notorious milk stealer. Oh. And an unmarried woman. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's the worst part. And here's how she would steal her milk. This is the most important part because it's okay. about the only witchcraft she does. Alright. Um, she would hang a towel over a rack and be able to magically wring milk from it. According to an old timer interviewed in the nineteen thirties <laughs> Old Timer is my term. Um, <laughs> she was able to milk the neighbor's cow from her back porch. Able to produce several large buckets of milk with just wringing out her towels. So she is just a really good magician, is what you're telling right? me. <laughs> Before her time. Before all those milk um, episodes on what Drake and Josh was it that yeah. had the milk stuff. <laughs> uh, she was blamed for all kinds of ailments um, that locals faced, you know, including seizure seizures and people developing rickets. Okay. <laughs> just all she was just the scapegoat for everything. Yeah. Um, it is said that she could kill a cow by shooting it with balls of hair that would later be found in the dead animal's stomach. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think there's something else afoot in this town, and you need to figure out it for real. <laughs> That's some black then, magic. Uh, that isn't her, yeah, I don't right? think. That's real creepy. 
And that um, locals would break spells that Eva cast by piercing effigies of her with silver bullets. And this would be done with, like, much fanfare in front of, like, the family who was being affected at home. But this is this would also 100% be considered magic, by the way. (laughs) But, like, okay, you're right. She's the witch, not you. Um, And it's also, depending on which story you get, this is also how they killed Eva. um, By shooting an effigy with a silver bullet and this this was done by the notorious witch hunter oh, okay. charlie lee oh my gosh and that's the end of my witch stories but i loved eva locker so much milk. her milk stealing antics <laughs> woman's gotta live but what what i did find was there's at least two other um like witchy type things that happened in Illinois that I'm like, oh, I need to look into these more. And so I didn't include them in this because I didn't want to do like baby story and big story. I wanted to do, yeah. I wanted to save them for later because they're really fun. And it makes me want to look for like more states witches, yes. you know? Yeah. And I can do like more little baby ones if they're not very interesting. And then, yeah, but I love, I love old timey witch, witch folklore. Well, the funny so thing is, fun. my story for this Halloween is also a witch story. Hooray! So my story today, I'm apologizing in advance because it is Paris, France. And I, you know, I don't speak French. And I'm, I'm no good at French and, either. Um, so I'm just going to try my best to pronounce things. But we'll see how it goes. Nobody make fun of me. Nobody be rude about it. Anyway, I got my information today. Well, my story today is about... <sighs> I'm already going to butcher it. La Voisson. La Voisson, La Voisson. I don't know. La Voisson. I French. I watched a YouTube video of a French boy said. talking about this, and okay. he said it like that. So that's how I'm... I think that's the only time I'm going to say it. I'm going to say her regular name for the rest of it, because okay. I can't say it all the time. I will mess it up a million times. I got my information from sci-fi.com, wikipedia.org, connexionfrance.com, yeah. <laughs> scihi.org, and partylike1660.com. <laughs> so... Catherine Moin Monvoisson, I guess. Okay. Um, also, no, this is where she got her Lavoisson yeah, name from, from, name from her last name. She was born around the 1640s. Um, little is known about her early life, just like my other story from last mm-hmm. week. Little is known about her back life. But um, her early life, but she was most likely born someplace in France, if not Paris, which is where she spent most of her entire life. She grew up in Paris, too. <clears throat> it is assumed that she had a hard upbringing and she was most likely from a poor family, probably with, you know, lots of kids, you know, how yeah. families were back then. So she learned fortune telling as a child around the age of nine. And later when she was around 20 years old, she married, um, Antone Monvoisson, who was a jeweler and silk merchant with a shop on... Pont Marie in Paris. They lived in <laughs> Villeneuve sur Gravois. Sure. Um, I saw this. I was like Gravois, but I was like, I can't say it like that. I'll get ripped to shreds. But that's how they say it in here, St. Louis. Right? It is Gravois. Gravois. Anyway, we say Gravois here, um, but I know that's wrong, so don't make fun of me. Um, a district in the heart of Parisian society. Uh, the couple had three children. She soon discovered that her husband was incompetent and unreliable, as most men are. <laughs> Eventually, Antone's business went bankrupt, and he had a lot of debts that she didn't know about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Catherine decided to start providing for her family by becoming a midwife and for extra money would also provide abortions. So to try and support the entire family, she also started practicing um, chiromancy, yeah. fortune telling, um, palm reading and face reading to earn even more extra money than just the abortions. So she was doing like the medical side and the witchy side. So, her fortune telling eventually developed into manufacturing and selling magical objects and potions. Um, She would also eventually go on to arranging black masses and selling aphrodisiacs and poison to profit from her clients' wishes. Um, See, and this would be an example of things that a witchy person could do. It's not just making normal medicines. (laughs) So... She only began her studies in witchcraft by catering to the elite circles when she started to cater to the elite circles of French aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she took on, like, poor patients and yeah. the rich side. But, you know, obviously, if you want to earn a really good living, you're going to want to go for the richer side. Yep. So she would tell depressed, unsatisfied housewives how to better their marriages or escape them by reading the lines on their hands and faces. Their home in... <laughs> oh, <no. coughs> villain vu sur gravois um <laughs> anyway i already said this one before but i had to say it again had a consulting room and she would throw evening garden parties with live music for Ooh. her clients she was also an herbalist so she would sometimes um give women things for aches and pains mm-hmm. so she did also medicine and not just little potiony poisony yeah. things so the church obviously disapproved of everything she was doing, although they didn't, um, I don't think they knew about the abortions and, like, the witch side, because otherwise she would have been hauled away to jail a long time before anything. Um, but anyway, um, Catherine was very clever um, whenever the church confronted her about her, you know, wrongdoings, uh-huh. and she convinced the vicars and professors of theology at Sorbonne University who didn't like her profession, that any divination skills she had were given to her by God himself. (laughs) And, you know, I love that so much. (laughs) So they literally left her alone after that because they were like, oh, she is literally God's gift of earth, so we'll leave her alone. So as she continued her business, she noticed a trend among her clients and that it was that most, if not all of them, wanted something from the men in their lives Um, some wanted men to become their husbands, some wanted their husbands dead, some wanted to inherit their family fortune, etc., etc. Um, as her business continued to grow, she began to buy expensive clothes and, like, trinkets and, like, whatever to make her customers believe that they were getting their money's worth, that she's, like, high-end. So she was, like, she was buying things to give off this persona. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Her daughter, Margaret, Marguerite, yeah, um, also became her assistant when business started to pick up, and I guess probably when she was old enough. Um, after learning all the needs of her clients, she started to craft poisons, uh, or potions and poisons to help her clientele. She was known to dabble in science and alchemy and liked to experiment with poisons. So, she would grind up bones of toads with Spanish fly. I don't know what that part meant, but it was in there. Bull's teeth, human blood, and iron shavings to help some of the noble women in Parisian society bewitch lovers to become their husbands. Oh. 
Slowly, Catherine's reputation grew, and she decided to capitalize on this opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, Catherine was not the only big shot fortune teller in Paris at the time. Her rival, Marie Bosse, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, ran an almost identical business for a lot of the same kind of clientele. Both women were making a living for from the competition for influence at the court of Sun King Louis, what is that, the 14th? Yeah, Louis XIV, yeah. The, the big herpes guy. What what was what did he have? Syphilis? What I was the know. big one that he really had that made because didn't wasn't he the one that went insane? They all do. It's well yeah, incest. but he was he was the real like he went insane because he had really bad STDs. That I think it would be syphilis, he was then. he was a real creepo. So one of Catherine's most expensive services, and I'm sorry I'm saying Catherine this whole time because her other name is so cool, but reading it at the speed that I go when I'm excited about telling a story. I'm not going to You just keep right. stumbling, yeah. <laughs> so, one of Catherine's most expensive services um, where she employed the help of priests. Some of them were her lovers. Others were some who had debts they were debtors. that they needed to be settled in order for her not to tell her their mistresses about whatever is happening in their lives. Um, so the service they all performed were satanic rituals in the catacombs underneath her home. Because Paris is full of catacombs. So, the, which, these, um, satanic, satanic rituals, I guess you could say? I, I'm not really sure. I'm, were they satanic in nature, or were they just alternative to the... So, they were black masses, and black masses were dark inversions of the traditional Catholic ritual where a naked woman would act as an altar lying down while holding candles in each hand with a chalice resting on her stomach. A priest would perform satanic rites over her body before spilling the blood of a newborn baby into the cup as the woman prayed to the Dark Lord. Okay, do you think they're satanic? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, since God had not helped these women, they wanted to conduct these black masses to ask Satan to answer their prayers instead. As good Christians do. Um, Because it's like at this time when like you're so scared of God, but you're also like more scared of the devil. And you still turn to like this kind of actual ritual where it's actually recorded that people did this. Like, that's just, it kind of blows my mind that they would do that. Because they were so like God fearing, I feel like. Yeah, but, but maybe they weren't, the you know? Maybe, maybe they just weren't getting the answers they needed, so they had to try something they else. They said, fine. You had your time. Time for Satan to shine. So, whether the baby needed to be alive or not is not known. But they didn't know if they were just, like, getting some blood from the baby or if they were killing babies. But procuring a child for the rituals wasn't hard for Catherine. So, long before any of these things that she had done, these Uh quote-unquote criminal things, uh, she opened a house for unwed mothers years before all of this had happened with... um, which also helped women with unwanted pregnancies get abortions or help lower class ladies get rid of their babies after childbirth. So, you know, uh, yeah, adoption or like yeah. whatever. So, or, or rituals. Yeah. So she didn't charge her poor clients for these services. So like this lady, honestly, she seems like a really good person. <laughs> She's killing babies. We don't know literally. that. First of all, we literally don't know if it's actually true at all. That's true. That she, any baby's blood is involved in this. No, but you don't I mean, know. like, she's still, she seems, she's here for the suffering. She's the, here to people. help the women. Yeah. She's here yeah. to help you get an abortion. She's here to help you give birth if that's what you want to do. She's here to help you if you don't have a home, if you're an unwed mother. And you so can't she, give that child you know, a home. 
So Making responsible choices for yourself. So she didn't charge the poorer clients for these services. Instead, she billed aristocratic women. This is what I like about it. She said, I'm going to... I do. I really like that a lot. Yeah. She built aristocratic women who came to her for help for these same issues, um, and had them pay for her charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the women who couldn't afford the scandal of a child out of wedlock, or women who couldn't afford to raise children on the street of you know seventeenth century Paris, um, is who would come to these places and have you know either an abortion or get rid of their kid after birth, whatever. Um, so Catherine might have told them she'd find a home for the kids or she might have told them nothing but the big thing I will take care of that, that everybody has you. said yes is that she had a constant supply of sacrifices for these black masses mm-hmm. but it's also like she started this home way before the yeah, any of this so happened I, like, yeah. so it's yeah. like you know okay anyway <clears throat> so there are still rumors today that the remains of over 25,000 infants were found buried at Catherine's garden, but this has never been proven. That seems like an unrealistic number. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. So anyway, the Les Affaires de Poisons, you know, said that wrong and I don't care. The Affair of Poisons was a scandal that went through the French nobility from 1677 to 1682. So it first began with the trial of Madame de Brinvillers? Sure. That's butchered as heck, but, you know, I don't know how to say it better. Who was accused of working with her lover to murder her father and brother so she could inherit his estate. This is when people are seeing, oh, these these women are using poison to kill many people. Red flag, I guess. So after this came out, a big investigation began to find the people responsible for making and selling poison. Mm -hmm. There's a whole... Men don't like feeling threatened. Yeah, there's a whole (laughs) network of, like, poisoners... Uh, kind of. So the king, Louis, <clears throat> what did we say, the 14th? Yeah. Became terrified that he might also become victim of poisoning, even though his body was already poisoned because he was gross. <laughs> um, so he began having servants taste test his meals and he gave the chief of the Paris police permission to conduct what amounted to basically a witch hunt after the arrest of Magdalene de Lagrange, um, another fortune teller in Paris with ties to Bryn Viller's case. Mm-hmm. Brinvilliers, I don't freaking know. Um, so Lagrange pointed the finger at another woman, Mary Boss, which was the you know mm-hmm. the other fortune teller in town that was the big competition for Catherine. Yeah. So, um, the thing was about this though that Boss was actually better at poisoning than Catherine was. Ah. Uh-huh. But anyway. So, in January 1679, Mary Boss, Bosse, however you say her name, was arrested. Their feud was used to implicate Catherine, of course, because she's going to turn in Catherine because she hates her. And if she gets out of jail, then yeah. open market. Yeah. So, in the Affair of Poisons, two months later, that's when she was implicated. Um, January, February, what? March? January, February, March? Of, April, May, June? Of 1680 is when Catherine was arrested for that. So she was arrested, but there's no record of her being tortured, which is what happened to most of the women accused of witchcraft at this time. Uh So she, that's, you know. But um, by the end of the year, the whole network, including Marguerite Monvoisson, the the daughter, was in jail. So the chief of police knew that Catherine was a woman who had multiple lovers and a love for wine. 
So he decided to allow her to drink wine while jailed um, so he could interrogate her for details on who she served and what her services were. So eventually she pretty much told them everything um, because she was drunk like the, literally the whole time she was incarcerated. <laughs> Um, so she talked about her career, admitted to selling poison and magical services, and named some of the lesser-known clients. One of her most notable crimes to the French public at this time was, um, one of the most notable times to the French public, mm-hmm. not, she committed something to the whole French public. Yeah, that thing <laughs> um, to the French public, like, I said that weird. Yeah, that. I said that weird. So, she came extremely close to poisoning King Louis XIV herself. So... Her most high-profile client was Madame Montespan, the official mistress of King Louis XIV, who is believed to have sought uh, Catherine's services in obtaining love potions to make the king fall in love with her instead of the one other mistress he had who was pregnant with his kids at the time. So, um, whatever Catherine did for her worked because Madame Montespan was the waitress and... to the king for over a decade. So that means something that people know. mistress? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So anyway, however, he... (laughs) I literally wrote... wrote, He was gross and always wanted someone new. (laughs) So anyway, even though he was, you know, this was his new main whatever, he decided he would begin another affair with Duchess LaFontaine. Fontanges? Fontaines? I don't know. Angelique de Fontanges, whatever her name is, which caused Montespan to ask Catherine for more allegedly, also including black mass rituals, um, she wanted to receive more poison to kill the new mistress and the king. So she was asking for more services from Catherine because whatever she did for the first time worked. Yeah, it so she's like, so let's do it again. More. So, the new mistress did die shortly after their romance began. Probably from all the um, STDs. You never know. You never know. I don't so, think kill you like that. So, Madame <laughs> Montespan consulted Catherine, and she eventually agreed to hand the king a poisoned paper petition in person. So, their plan failed, and they decided to hatch another one. But before this plan was set into motion, uh, Magdalene... De Lagrange was arrested for poisoning. She's the one who was accusing everybody left and right earlier, wasn't she? You kept saying Lagrange, Lagrange, Lagrange. She was pointing fingers at other women. So that's when, yeah. So their plan failed. The girl who's pointing fingers at everybody gets arrested. Then she gives the chain of people end up giving her name, yeah, Catherine's name. So then, before Catherine can poison the king and whatever. She eventually gets arrested. So, February 22nd, 1680, she was put on trial by the Chamber Ardente, Ardent, the Fiery Court, um, which deemed her crimes worthy of one of the most harsh punishments that the court could give out. And two days later, she was burned alive on the Place de Grave, de Grieve, whatever it is. So, it is believed that Catherine helped poison well over a thousand people, and some speculate that she killed, like I said, around 2,500 infants in her black mass ceremonies, but this is just not, you know, we don't know. She's doing those every day. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing multiple days. So, it was said that she didn't go quietly. 
Some said she begged for mercy from the crowd. Others said that she shouted her innocence. But some say she cursed the families of each of the men on the court. Here's the thing. She um, can do all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> so around 442 more um, suspects. 367 orders for arrest were issued, and 218 of those were carried out in the investigation um, of the affair of poisons, um, with 36 being executed for their crimes, and many more were imprisoned for life. Five of the 36 were sentenced to the galleys, and 23 were exiled. So, most of the French nobility who were arrested didn't receive any punishment, of course, because of King Louis XIV, who was worried that people would learn the truth, that his court was full of liars, murderers, and witches, um, and he feared the peasant class would rebel, or that England would use this as a scandal, um, as a reason to invade. (laughs) So, her daughter, Marguerite, confessed everything, including her mother's list of clients, the attempt on the king's life, and her connection to Madame de Montespan, as well as a large number of other high-ranking um, clientele, I guess? Ranking courtiers. Oh, courtiers. Oh. That's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, her confession was corroborated by others in the network, and the king was informed. So... King Louis XIV closed the investigation, sealed the witness statements, and ordered the destruction of many of the documents in the investigation, and had the remaining accused imprisoned under a letter de cachette, cash, I don't know, which basically meant they just disappeared and no longer had any legal existence. That's wild. That's crazy. (laughs) So they were split up and imprisoned in different strongholds around France, and it is not known what happened to Marguerite or any of the others. Um... How they died, where they died. Yeah. They legally weren't existing anymore. Like, obviously, so they had know. died, but also they could have so, been released. So, <laughs> Madame de Montespan was no longer mistress-in-chief, and by 1681, she had been replaced by the Marquis de Maintenon, the governess to the king's legitimate children, and that was the end of the affair de Poisons. And that is the story of... Catherine Monvisson. Lavoisson. <laughs> anyway. Oh, French. But I was I like, I've got to, this year I've got to do a witch story. So. Yeah. And I've, Apparently I liked I said her that story. Too. <laughs> so, there's your full episode of okay, Witches. Witchy Halloween. Yeah, have a witchy Halloween and a happy Halloween. <laughs> and uh, try not to kill anybody and dumb us with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye.